Well, Happy New Year and welcome to the University of Queensland Compassion Initiative podcast. My name's Stan Steindl and with me is my dear colleague, James Kirby. Hello, James. Hi, Stan. Happy with the start of the year so far? Yes, yes, it's been very good, very good. Very good? Yeah, already yeah. busy? Already already busy, back in the office on the 2nd of January. Um, you know me, uh, uh, slave driver. <laughs> well, the exciting thing about today is we have a very special guest for the podcast. Someone with a formidable intellect and a, a heart the size of Farlap. Um, and <laughs> yeah, a, that's right. a great collection of jokes. Um it's Professor Paul Gilbert. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, Welcome. I think we could give a little applause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really wonderful to have you and your lovely wife Jean as well um, to be visiting Australia for the next three months uh, and doing some research here at UQ and and also some some workshops. Um, we might even mention those at the end. The workshops yeah. again. Actually, that would be good. Um, but how have you found Australia so far? <laughs> well, I got on a plane and I sort of arrived, you know what I mean? No, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's been wonderful. We here, were here um, back in December of 2017. We had a month here in uh, University of Queensland and uh, people have just been wonderful. We've made a lot of friends here. So for us, it's, uh, it's just a delight to be here, really. Mm. Yes, I noticed you're getting into the summer fun and, and uh, exploring the... The great state of Queensland. Yes, so we far. have. Yes, we have been to the Sunshine Coast, been swimming and on a jet ski and fell off and <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Sounds very drive systemish. Very drive. Yeah, very drive. Mm. So I thought we might just have a little bit of a chat about um, compassion and perhaps your model and perhaps some of the the recent thoughts that that you've been having about uh, defining things and some of the important uh, ideas that you think people could or should know about where, where your, your thoughts are going. Uh, one of the things that you emphasize is compassion is a motive. Um, and rather than an emotion or, or defined as other things, I, I wondered if you could start there. Tell us a bit about your current thought, thinking around compassion. Yeah, well, there are two streams to the thinking. One is the fact that in the Buddhist traditions, compassion has always been seen as a motivational system. There's been some work suggesting that it's an affective state. But in the evolutionary model, it's definitely a motive. Now, why is that important? It's important because uh, the emotion that's associated with compassion can vary according to context. So if you imagine a, a firefighter going into a burning house to save a family, that's clearly compassionate, they're wanting to save somebody from burning. Their emotion is gonna be one of uh, anxiety or vigilance, uh, Somebody fighting injustice, it may be anger. Somebody sitting with a dying person, it may be sadness. When you're doing therapy, it's important too because if clients start to try to feel compassion, the chances are they're gonna really struggle because when they start monitoring, am I feeling, am I feeling, that is a struggle. Particularly, for example, with depressed people who might have lost feeling. The whole point of depression uh, can be what is called anhedonia, where you lose feeling mums can lose feelings to their children so you're trying to get them to feel compassion it's really will make them worse but what they can do is they can be in touch with their motivation that they would like to be a good mother and the behaviors that they're engaging with so even though you're not feeling anything nevertheless you can make an effort to behave in a certain kind of way so that that that's really important that the motivational process 
and understanding the motivational process and the therapy is key. Otherwise, if you try to too much focus on em emotion before people are ready, that can be really quite tricky. And the emotion really depends upon the context. The other thing that we, we, you and I were talking about a little earlier is that when you look at the definition of compassion, it, it's a sensitivity to suffering with a desire to alleviate and uh, prevent, commitment to alleviate and prevent. And one of the things that we've been discussing recently is this, but is all suffering uh, preventable? Is all suffering, should we alleviate all suffering? What would it be like to be in a world that was no suffering, no suffering, no suffering? And you get this in, a, in an affirmation sometimes when people do, may I be free of suffering? But the question is, also in the Buddhist traditions, it's called discernment, because some suffering is actually the process of growth. Mm. Okay, so suffering gives us an opportunity for learning and change and development. So the whole point about how it's really not, whether we suffer or not, is about how we suffer. What do we make of our suffering? Mm. Because the other part of the Buddhist tradition is that all life really is about suffering, because we come into the world, we a little while and then we decay and we die everything is impermanent so there is a, at the root of the life process itself is suffering right so it, you, you can't be free of suffering in that sense mm -hmm. so the point about it really is and this is where the definition if you take the definition too literally you can miss these subtleties it's really about the the wise way of engaging with the inevitability of suffering of life really mm -hmm. yeah so well i mean that's so uh, wonderful to listen to you talk about that, and the first piece there, the the um, the motivational system, it, it really, and, and sort of like other motivational system, it's just that this is the motivation around what to do about suffering, yeah, yeah. Uh, and being sensitive to that suffering, and then feeling committed to yeah. actually doing something about it. Um, in some ways, irrespective of the emotion, there it's some uh, it's sort That's of a right. different uh, motivational kind of drive. Um, but that means that it's really important to think about the suffering aspect of it and, and sort of what is suffering. The, 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 um, uh, there, there's pain or, or suffering that's part of life and we kind of can't get rid of all of that. In fact, I was sort of thinking the other day, it's just a, a cruel twist of the universe in the way that, you know, sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, eating hamburgers, you know, and ice cream, why does that have to have a negative <laughs> <laughs> attached to it um, but you're sort of saying that actually you know that kind of state that might be absolutely free from pain or, or emotional experience we don't grow then anyway we don't sort of have a chance to grow or develop or learn uh, in some ways we don't learn much from just a, a sort of a happy pain-free state yeah that's right um, that's very important I mean you probably remember the book The Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, right, where everybody took Soma and that, that was the whole idea, mm. never to be unhappy, everybody was happy and so on and so on. But in fact, those kind of worlds never, never work because it's the way that we deal with the challenges of life. The other point of point, of course, in the Buddhist tradition is there's purposeful and purposeless suffering. So what you don't want is purposeless suffering. Mm -hmm. You probably know the sutra of the two arrows, you know, the first arrow that hits you is the inevitability of suffering in life but the second arrow is the arrow of your reactions to it mm. and that is called dukkha so it's the second arrow uh, so I know I'm, I know I'm going to die right so that's the first arrow so that I can't escape that then the second arrow is now do I rage against it do I try and stop it do I fall over in grief or do I live every moment the best way I can right? mm. so 
These are really, really important things to introduce the subtleties about. Mm. There is suffering, okay, it's inevitable, but it's then how do we deal with it? Mm. And that is the wisdom component, not to mm. add to the dukkha, it's the dissatisfaction with the way things are, not to add to the suffering mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. it needs to be. Mm. James, you've been looking into the suffering topic as well, haven't you, with, with Paul, and, and sort of ex- having chats and exploring yeah. that and perhaps some yeah. writing. What, any yeah. thoughts from you at this point? Uh, I'm not suffering that much right now. Except <laughs> yeah, you've I've just added. I've just added to my life. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, Paul and I have been doing some studies recently um, uh, with some other colleagues in in the UK, Jazz, for example, um, looking at distinguishing between sort of kindness and compassion, with suffering really being at the core of that. Uh, so we we came up with a, a, a series of different scenarios that looked at uh, shifting how much suffering was in that scenario. Mm. Uh, so, for example, a scenario could be something like uh, remembering to ring someone uh, and wish them a happy birthday. Uh, so remembering their birthday and then calling them. And then we'd ask people, is that a kindness-based scenario or more of a compassion-based scenario? And then an alternative one would be something like uh, uh, donating your kidney to save someone else's life. Uh, and people were quite clearly able to distinguish between what was a compassion scenario and what was a kindness And we put that down to suffering. Mm. And our data also suggests that in the compassion-based scenarios, people are rating significantly higher suffering occurring in those contexts. Uh, So we have been looking at suffering a little bit. So in that paper where we uh, sort of looked at uh, the differences in emotional responses as well that are connected to those scenarios, we also looked at that role of of suffering as well. And it's interesting because in those suffering uh, scenarios, we just ask people on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most suffering, 1 no suffering at all. Uh, on average, you know, the suffering responses coming out were quite low. So, for example, when we were asking people, how much suffering do you think is in the scenario donating your kidney to save a friend's life? We asked it quite broadly. Uh, and so it only had a, a response of about 6 out of 10. And that could be because people are focusing on the consequence. So someone's life is going to be saved. So there might not be that much suffering. So depending on who the target is, uh, at what time point along the interaction, uh, who it might be, for example, will all influence how much suffering we see. So we plan to do some more around that, manipulating the target, for example, to see is there more suffering for me, more suffering for the other person. So, I mean, one of the, one of the examples was baking a cake. And um, some people might really suffer through that because they're not much of a cook. <laughs> they might hate it. I'm thinking of my father. He would just, no way in the world would he do that. That's too painful for him. Uh, so, but how much suffering is in that, though, uh, is, is something which we want to sort of parcel out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, one of the other points which I thought was very clear is that there's a different pattern of emotions mm. to scenarios identified as kindness. They tend to have more positive emotions. Mm. Mm. scenarios identified as a compassion they would have more um, um, threat based yeah. sadness type emotions difficult emotions anxiety like disgust. disgust and so mm. forth and the, but you know it's very important because you know for those people who are religious you, you talk about the compassion of Christ you don't talk about the kindness of Christ he sacrificed himself mm. a kind person he's such a kind person so you wouldn't say that would you so mm. th- th- these are very important because scientifically they are stimulating different patterns of emotion. They have different foci. Um, you require a more distress tolerance to get into um, compassion suffering work. So the suffering is crucial to compassion, but it's not crucial to kindness. Mm. So James's work is brilliant, really, because he's doing this clever 
pulling these things apart, which mm. I think is uh, really fantastic. My, my mother is, uh, or was a GP, she's retired now, but when I asked her a few years ago what her definition of suffering was, she did mention sorrow yeah. as being a part of that, which yeah. is sort of a little yeah. bit what you were saying yeah. a moment yeah. ago, that as a GP, you're dealing with that suffering on a daily basis in one way, shape or form, and, and she would sort of almost, sometimes it would be partly that feeling of sorrow, but she also added in the, the, the doing something about it type end of the, the definition as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point you make, Stan, because when you're confronting the suffering of others, like the young women dying of breast cancer, or whatever it is, mm. right? I mean, that is the, the sadness of the loss of function, the loss mm. of ability, the loss of life. That issue of loss that goes with when you confront suffering is really a very important process, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And compassion is therefore not just sort of light or easy or warm and fuzzy type Very stuff. It's, it's a lot about, like you always say, the, the, the wisdom to understand a lot of that stuff, the strength to approach it, the distress tolerance you mentioned a moment ago. Um, James and I had a big chat last week uh, because I'd watched Slumdog Millionaire the night before. Have you seen that movie? I confess not. No, well, it's just a movie about, um, what is it? Do you want to be a millionaire in India? But of course, it's all about the contestant's background, and and he was in the slums, really, of of um, of somewhere in India. I can't remember, but I remember f sort of being really sort of affected in a way by it because of the just the extent of suffering, uh, and walking around the streets there, and and a lot of the begging and the giving of money, and we we were sort of having this. James and I were having this interesting debate about to give money or to not give money. And I, 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 I suppose um, this is now more just briefly, I guess, at, at the what to do end of compassion and the, the commitment to alleviate or prevent it. Um, what are your thoughts about that sort of little piece, you know, what to do to help alleviate or prevent suffering in that kind of context? But should you give or not give? Well, that, that might be one that, element of it, yeah. Mm. So I think a lot depends on the personality and understanding that when you're giving, it's doing a lot of different things. It's the person you're giving to, but there's also what's happening in your own mind. One of the arguments is not to give to them, but to give money to the prevention of the creation of poverty or begging or whatever it is. That would be one thing. I think you've got to be slightly careful with that, though. It's like somebody who's dying of cancer saying, look, I'm not going to help you because really what I need to do is to give money to fight the drug companies, you know what I mean? Because they're the ones that are causing all this shit. So, mm. sorry, you're just going to have to die. Um, so, you've got to be slightly <laughs> cautious with how we think. Yeah. However, I think the problem is if giving to the beggar stops you from thinking big time, actually, I need to do something about it, because it gives you the warm glow of having done something, that's the problem. Mm. That's the problem where you give your money and then you think that's it, I, I've, done, I've done good. Mm. As opposed to I give you money today, but actually it inspires me to go and do something to try and prevent mm. this mm. problem. Yeah. So that's, that's, that, that's where the issues are for me. Re reassuringly, that's sort of where we arrived, mm. I think, mm. didn't we? That, that actually it's probably where possible both. Yeah, The other really interesting thing actually that's just occurred to me though is that, that the giving might then be inspiring yes. which taps back into motivation yeah, yeah, again yeah. so now we've got the action of compassion creating more motivation for yeah. more of the same mm -hmm. i think the point is because you have to think so but if you're going to not give to the beggar then you're going to have to do something to 
dissociate from the suffering in that moment. Mm. Okay, so you have to not respond to not respond. I'm not sure that practicing dissociating from suffering in that moment mm. is a good thing to be doing. I might be wrong about that. So what's happening in our minds, and of course a lot of people will justify not giving. Mm. When we were in Greece, uh, we had the same, you know, if you say, you know, to the, these children because they're just families and they're very rich and they're just on the streets and all that stuff. So it's a tricky one. Mm. But I, it's, mm. I have to be um, in tune with my own feelings, really. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I always love to just go back to your definitions and aspects of the model, you know, that, that actually we just want to cultivate a sensitivity to suffering. Yes, we want to notice it. We don't want to dissociate. We want to be able to notice it, create that awareness. We want to have an intention or a motivation and a commitment to, to sort of maybe do something to alleviate it and, and prevent it. But we want to bring the wisdom and the strength and the commitment kind of to that end of the, the thing as well. And it's, it's much more complex, I know, than that. But th- those key elements of it seem to help a lot, I think, for me when trying to make those little decisions. And, well, I think it's a brilliant course. point you make because that's why the Compassion of Mind Foundation, and we now have a business wing, you know, the leadership, Compassion Leadership, we just got this stuff on compassion in politics. So the idea is that it has to be a way in which we move the whole world. Yes. Not, not just uh, doing a little bit in therapy or a little bit here and there, but... It, just ha- helping us see that because our minds are so potentially nasty, I mean, humans can be very nasty, as you mm. know, uh, but if we can move people towards a more compassionate orientation, mm. the world mm. can change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are individual factors and also systems-level factors, yeah, systems and we're trying to look at different ways to facilitate both, but they'll also have their own inhibitors as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful to have you here, and it's going to be a great few months. Did you want to mention, James, the the coming training opportunities? Yeah, so Paul Paul will be here for three months, which we're delighted about. We're working through the first workshop at the moment, actually. Uh, That begins on uh, the 23rd, on Wednesday, the 23rd of January to the 25th. Then after that, we've got a couple of more workshops. We've got one focused on the experiential workshop, which is in February, and then another one in uh, March focused in on the therapeutic relationship, as well as... uh, What's the other one we're doing? Complex cases. Complex cases, that's right. I mean, and which compassion is? I mean, when you, just this discussion today, I mean, to understand compassion, you really got to understand suffering. And then it becomes quite complicated. And where can people go to find that or to get links to bookings? Oh, yeah. Um, if they just typed in Compassion Training Australia, um, they'll see a link there and everything will come up on Google. Compassion Training Australia. Yeah. CFT well, Workshop. All right, great. Well, thanks, Paul, very much for for, um, having a chat. And thanks, James. And we will catch you again in another couple of weeks. Yeah, we should get Paul back on and and maybe even Jean. Jean next time. Yeah, we'll get her involved, say something. She's probably not going to talk That's where Paul's great ideas come from, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank you.